Hello, and welcome to Dwelling on Dreams, where two passionate Harry Potter fans dive deep to examine the wizarding world. I'm Taylor, a Ravenclaw. And I'm Victoria, a Hufflepuff. Thank you for joining us. For those of you who haven't read the books or seen the movies yet, what are you doing listening to us? Please, go and do that now, because if you stick around, you can expect spoilers ahead. This week marks the beginning of the Hogwarts Quidditch season, Woo-hoo. so today's episode is going to be all about Quidditch, how it has evolved over the centuries, uh, how it's played, how people think about it, and one of the cutest aspects of the Harry Potter universe, the Snidget. Yay, Snidgets! Yes, we're really actually quite excited about that discussion, so welcome mm-hmm. Quidditch fans. Some of you may have noticed that one of our segments is called Snidgets and Gobstones. You might not know what either of those things are if you're not pretty diehard Harry Potter fans. Yeah. So we're going to explain one of them this episode, and we'll explain Gobstones, I'm sure, at some other point. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. We have to have a discussion on that in the future. But Snidgets are definitely, I agree, one of the cutest aspects of the Harry Potter universe. They're they're not cloying. A lot of cute things in Harry Potter are cl- like the pygmy puffs. Pygmy puffs can be cloyingly yeah. cute. Yeah, but snidges are just just purely they're, they're cute. Like a, like a niffler. Yeah. Nifflers are purely cute too, mm. even though they're terrors. So for those of you who do not know what a snidget is, a snidget is a small, round-bodied bird that was chased as part of the game of Quidditch for about a century in the 12 and 1300s until the bird became nearly extinct, and it looks like. A golden ball. It is a golden bird. Kind Hence of the golden snidget. Ah ha ha. Yes. So this is the inspiration for the snitch that we actually see more in modern times. Right. Snidgets were first used in the sport of snidget hunting, which was, as you can imagine, just flying around and grabbing them, most of the time killing them. The tragedy of the snidgets is that their use in sports drove them to almost extinction because catching a flying bird with your hand can sometimes not end well for the small object you are catching (laughs) could be considered a bad idea the small living object you are catching it became popular in quidditch when one time some wizard went to a quidditch match and decided to release a snidget Mm -hmm. apparently he was a fan of the snidget hunting game and he said that he would pay 150 galleons to whichever player could catch, catch the snidget. Oh. So that's the first time the snidget was used in Quidditch and the 150 gallons became 150 points and the, the seeker position was created. Oh, very interesting. Yes. Quidditch, while I enjoy it, it's part in the narrative of the Harry Potter world. The fine points of Quidditch were not my specialty. So nice to learn that. I, under- really... I feel like I understand the sport so much better now. Because it always just seemed a bit like we smashed two things together and people were accepting it as one thing. There's a lot of power in the seeker position. It's disproportionate to the rest of the team. J.K. Rowling has actually said, I think in the annotated edition of Philosopher's Stone, that she invented Quidditch after a fight with her boyfriend. Oh. And that a lot of men hate it because of the... (laughs) illogical imbalance of the positions it was clearly written for an 11 year old to be able to be the hero yes like that's that was the whole point of the secret position uh-huh. and i've actually had this discussion with men before and that yeah they hate it they hate the fact that this <laughs> so if you are a man wa- listening to our podcast please let us know do you, yes. do you hate quidditch <laughs> but anyway she said it was very satisfying that men hate it because of the frame of mind yes. she, <laughs> she was mad at her boyfriend so revenge yes but if any of you listening ever look up a picture of a snidget it is absolutely adorable it is and they're tiny and they're really they're kind of like hummingbirds they're really quick they can 
change direction quickly mm-hmm. like the snitch the snitch mm-hmm. was made to imitate the snitch right. it's about the same size it's about the same agility and flexibility in the air the first time it was used in a quidditch match was in the 1200s mm-hmm. and it was outlawed as a use in the sport in the 14th century snidget hunting was popular from the 1100s mm, so okay. it's several centuries that this was a thing yeah that's still popular today among certain circles but there are also snidget sanctuaries which i want to visit a snidget sanctuary so yes. badly <laughs> That would be adorable. <laughs> yes. But Snidgets were eventually outlawed and the Golden Snitch was born. It was invented by Bowman Wright from Godric's Hollow. So maybe Harry's ancestors oh, was, were friends maybe. with the inventor of the Snitch. Apparently they have a hollow inside that you can hide things in. Yes. Unlike the Snidget, the Snitch had been bewitched to remain within the boundaries of the field, <laughs> which I'm sure was helpful <laughs> to sure. many a seeker. I didn't think about that. The bird could just... Whoop. <laughs> Fly away. <laughs> Very geographically interesting games <laughs> and long ones. I'm sure. <clears throat> Used by Dumbledore famously to hide the resurrection stone, mm-hmm. which Harry figured out at the very, very end of Deathly Hallows. Because Scrimger came and gave them a visit with Dumbledore's will before they go off on their grand adventure, if we can call it that. He was very interested in when Harry touched the snitch, you know, if it would open and reveal some big secret. One of my favorite harry potter rants is that that scene i there's a lot of my favorite harry potter rants but that's one of them and i love when he tells the minister that maybe he should try sticking a sword in voldemort instead of trying to crack open snitches or stripping down <laughs> deluminators no. makes me happy Snarky harry is yes. the best <laughs> interesting theory has anyone ever tried sticking a sword in voldemort <laughs> Book Harry is so much snarkier than movie Harry, and I live for it. He's so much smarter and snarkier and braver in a confrontational way. Yes. I mean, he acts like the protagonist of a book series. Yeah. And they give so many of the things he does and says to other characters in the movies to make Mm -hmm. it more dynamic. Right. You have very dynamic characters in Harry Potter, which is one of the reasons why people love it so much is because the characters just are alive in a way. I don't know. A lot of the characters, I feel like, in the movies are dulled down. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's because they wanted to get as much of the action as possible. Much of Harry's personality comes out in conversation, Mm -hmm. in debates, in arguments. And when you're trying to move a plot line along that took five, six hundred, eight hundred pages to tell in a book... I don't think that they felt that they could really get those moments in. Right. So they just cut them and you're kind of left with some tepid characters sometimes Mm -hmm. that do interesting and impressive things, but that don't have that interesting depth. Right. Speaking of movie portrayals versus book portrayals, Mm -hmm. I always had issues with the fact that in the movies, James Potter is a seeker, right? Or the Sorcerer's Stone. But technically he was a chaser, right? Yeah, he was a chaser. Yeah. That bugged me when I was younger, like when I first realized the discrepancy, but then I realized that there are about a thousand more important discrepancies. Oh, yeah, I know. It's just like a little piddly thing every time I watch the movie. I'm just like, "Mm." wrong. Hermione, in the first couple films, they give her lines that aren't really hers. Like, it's not her place to tell Harry about Quidditch. That doesn't Mm. make any sense. It's not her place to say fear of the name only increases fear of the thing itself. That's Dumbledore's line. Right, and that's definitely not a Hermione no, it's not. Especially a 12-year-old Hermione. No. Oh, no. They, they, I think they tried to round her out by kind of giving her little pieces and bits of other people. Yeah. But it just kind of diluted the character a little bit. It, or at least made her inconsistent, I mm-hmm. thought. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's not a Quidditch person. There's no reason that she would have researched James Potter's Quidditch career. And there's certainly no reason for Hermione to have researched that before Harry was on the team. 
and they weren't even friends yet. No, I agree. That has always kind of been a little bit of a point for me. Yeah. I think we should probably just give an overview of the game since we're going to be discussing it somewhat in depth. That's probably a very good idea. Quidditch, for those of you who uh, have not read the books, seen the movie. Well, the movies don't explain it very movies well. Movies don't explain it very well. You get Wood a two-minute summary from Wood yeah. in the first movie. And there's so much else going on that Quidditch yeah. doesn't... It's just kind of out of place almost. Yeah. So Quidditch, in slightly more detail than Oliver Wood offers us, is a sport that, as we have previously mentioned, relies heavily on one element to the exclusion of almost all else. But before the snitch or excuse me, before the snidget was introduced into the game, it was very similar to basketball or soccer on brooms. You had two teams, three on each side were the offensive and defensive lines. And then you had a keeper, which is the same as the name for (laughs) Coley. So keepers are easy to remember. And they guard three goal hoops that are set at different levels. And the three hoops are not like a basketball hoop, which is parallel to the ground, but upright like a lollipop and the keeper guards those and the goal is to get the quaffle which is the kind of the basketball or the soccer ball or the football for you brits the non-magical properties ball yes it has it's just a ball it's leather it doesn't do anything and the chasers pass back and forth the quaffle to get it through the hoops basic yes. concept of many many sports yes there are also bludgers, which is not a basic concept of many, many sports. Uh, they're a magical property ball. Yes. They fly around and try to knock small children off their brooms. In very violent manner. Yes. They're described <laughs> as sort of cannonballs. And uh, the beaters, there are two beaters on each team, fly around with bats. Then they try to swing their bats at the bludgers and make them go towards the other team. Either they they hit them away from their players or hit them towards other team. Right. A lot of times, you know, they try to do that in the same move. But I would say like the only players that have a distinct offense or defense function would be the keeper and the seeker. But even the seeker's been known to play defense if they're not actively looking for the Yeah, they can. But I think like in essence of their role, I wouldn't, I would say that they're more an offense and then the keeper is more of a defense. Yeah. And as we said, the seeker's role is offensive, but it's completely unrelated to everybody else's operates on their own. They can interact with the rest of the game if they choose, but their function is to find the snitch and catch it and end the game. That gives them 150 points. And since you only get 10 points per quaffle through the hoops... It's a lot of scoring that you have to do in order to yes. upset a snitch catch. Right. So the game will not end until the snitch is caught. Then you bring in reserves and people it, get sleep. <laughs> yeah. If people are about to die because they don't really have, t- they have timeouts, but you can't wait. You can't do an indefinite timeout. In the Chamber of Secrets, when a bludger was enchanted by Dobby mm-hmm. to uh, attack Harry no matter what, they call a timeout. And someone called for an inquiry. Apparently, an inquiry meant a forfeit, which seems counterintuitive to me. Like, if you think someone's cheating and you You ask someone to investigate investigate it, that means you automatically lose. (laughs) So, they're not, the rules are not very sympathetic to people who want to take breaks or who want to uh, Mm. look into things. An endurance sport. And the conversation that they have during that timeout is super short. And then they're like, oh, we got to get back up in the air. I mean, like football, American football timeouts are only like a minute. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it makes but sense. But you also short. have periods and you have yes, this is true stoppage of play. The- There's no stoppage of play in Quidditch, right. except for the very short timeouts. But I mean, and while there is effort and you do get tired and there's 
obviously physical exertion with a broom you're not running yeah you are in the air the entire time spend hours in the air yeah. <laughs> with nothing supporting you but a stick yeah quidditch yeah um it's another reason why people think it's illogical and yeah. unreasonable well and i think a lot of people that i know get confused with quidditch after the world cup when you're going through the first couple movies or the first couple books it's like you catch the snitch you win the game but in the world cup then we see that people can actually have a higher score than the 150 points that the other team gets when they catch the snitch and win catching the snitch doesn't necessarily ensure a victory right it just gives you a ridiculous amount of points right and actually that was the basis for fred and george's issues with betting ludo bagman was the head of the department of magical games and sports sports. at the ministry yeah he was a former beater professional beater who he's was in charge of the world cup preparations and yeah. a little bit of a man child who's still retrying to live in his glory days yeah i mean he's he's a gambler a serious gambler who yeah. at first we think he's just kind of like this jovial you know harmless but he's he does a bit smarmy yeah slick. and he's certainly dishonest yes. he cheats both fred and george and a bunch of goblins out of their winnings that they logged with him for the quidditch world cup fred and george bet that uh, ireland would win but that crumb, the the seeker for Bulgaria, would catch the snitch. Yep. Which, which was a prophetic. highly unlikely scenario because in order to do that, that means that crumb wouldn't be ending the game knowing they'd lose. Right. Which nobody wants to do that. But <laughs> if the game goes on long enough or yeah. you're just so far behind at that point, they would have had to have been so far behind. And it happened that way because A, crumb and others on the Bulgarian team were injured and they weren't coming back. There was no chance that they were going to get above the 150-point mark right. because they were digging a hole and continuing to dig. It wasn't getting better. Right. So he made the decision to end the pain sooner <laughs> rather than later instead yeah. of just waiting around for them maybe to catch up sometime because it was it was getting worse, not better. Right. Um, and that's just demoralizing, and it's hard to come back from all that. And so then... Ludo Bagman refused to do the payouts for Fred and George and the goblins. And that was all the money that Fred and George had saved for their shop. And they were kind of betting on getting a big reward with this money so they could actually open up their shop. As mad as that made me for the twins, I really kind of enjoyed that that was mentioned as like a warning. Yeah. I thought that was a good character message. It was the first time, maybe the only time in the books that we saw them arguing and fighting. Yeah. Because they disagreed about how to handle it, how to approach Bagman, if they should tell somebody, if they should threaten him. How are we going to fix this? Because we yeah, need our money didn't back. one just want to let it go? Was it Fred, George that just kind of was like, no, it'll come back in a way later? Or Well, we can look it up. George says something about like that being blackmail. We could get into a lot of trouble. Fred said that we've tried being polite. It's time to play dirty. Which is very much in their line with their characters. And then George is like, I'm telling you, if you put that in writing, it's blackmail. Fred, yeah, but you won't be complaining if we get a nice fat payoff, will you? Um, they wrote a letter to Ludo Bagman. Yeah. And initially, they asked for their the payout. He wouldn't give it to them. He said they didn't, they didn't have it. Yeah, they asked him in Because person. it was incredibly tall odds oh, that yeah. it would happen. So they were going to get a lot of money. Yeah. And then they asked for just what they had initially given to him, just their savings back and he mm-hmm. wouldn't give it back to them presumably because he'd been paying off other people's debts mm-hmm. and then that's when they kind of got angry yeah very in line with their characters george is just like no we can find a better way to do that and fred's like this is the right way it's and a there's bit more impetuous 
that was an interesting character lesson on the perils of gambling. For those of you who have not read Quidditch Through the Ages, I have a homework assignment for you. Uh-huh. Read Quidditch Through the Ages, and I want to know if you agree with me that it reads like a long satirical allegory for British <laughs> soccer, so football. Like, I don't know why, but my impression when I first read it years and years ago was, oh my goodness, she's poking fun at British football. Did you ever get that idea? I've always thought that with the sport. Honestly. The whole thing? Yeah. To me, 100%, that is such a big sport over in Britain. Probably one of the most popular sports just globally. Well, globally, yeah. Not in America. Not in America. I mean, it is popular in areas here, but because it was just so globally recognizable, it was a smart choice to me for her to make. Of course. I mean, the Quidditch World Cup is based on the World Mm -hmm. World Cup. Yeah, I understand that there are parallels just because that's what she knew. Everybody in Britain, that's... That is sports. How the clubs are yep, yep. arranged, yeah. all of that. But I just something about reading through Quidditch <laughs> through the ages. I just well, thought, I think it's fun to like you know poke fun at something that yeah. Anyway, if hey, you yeah. if you agree with me, disagree with me, please let me know. I don't have strong opinions, but okay. Victoria is not sparring with me, so I need some of you too. Sorry, guys. I will say that the first line of Quidditch through the ages, chapter one, paragraph one, is no longer true. <laughs> Oops. Um, there's um, a forward by Albus Dumbledore. Oh, there's a little library card from Hogwarts. I love those little details. When she goes in, she goes in. She goes in. She does, yeah. If you rip, tear, shred, bend, fold, deface, disfigure, smear, smudge, throw, drop, or in any other way damage, mistreat, or show lack of respect towards this book, the consequences will be as awful as it is within my power to make them. (laughs) Irma Pins. Chapter one, the evolution of the flying broomstick. No spell yet devised enables wizards to fly unaided in human form so ah. so the supposed author of quidditch the ages it's really jk rowling guys <laughs> but the one on the cover is kennelworthy wisp and he apparently Kenilworthy? oh that's a horrible name she has fun with names she does but i think that kennelworthy had a terrible childhood it's, <laughs> it's very funny to see in print because kennelworthy is so long and the wisp that's a cool last name though it's a cool last name but i, I wouldn't have paired those together no Anyway, so the very, very real Kennelworthy Wisp, who wrote Quidditch Through the Ages, published presumably sometime during maybe the lull between the two wars or between Grindelwald and Voldemort. Yeah. Who knows when it was actually. Actually, actually published in the yeah. Harry Potterverse. But um, Voldemort has since made him a liar. That's true. There's now and a way. Snape. No one knows how to do it. All the except years. maybe Harry, because he was in his Voldemort's head as Voldemort flew. So I think you can maybe reverse engineer it if you really wanted to. Maybe you really wanted to, but let's let that die. What? Let's Come let's on. Let that knowledge die. I, I think that, I think Harry learned things from Voldemort. I mean, he was in his head so much and he was such a good wizard. I, And he was doing things that other people didn't know how to. Spend to I think him. it would have made Harry a really good aurer. I think he just would understand the psyche so much better than other people just from the amount of time that he did spend in Voldemort's head. And I'm not denying he probably did learn things, but again, I'm question whether or not you should actually use that knowledge i'm not saying that he should use the the cruciatus curse well, in the future, but no but i mean flying if, this is like, is if, benign. if the flying though is a dark spell i mean it is all about intention i do understand that but you get start dipping your toe into sticky territory if you start using spells voldemort created because i you just don't know what i guess it just makes me sad to think about i mean the flying thing the, the thing where Voldemort relived his own memory inside his own head 
in real time. This is why you're a Ravenclaw. Like I want to Hufflepuff. I'm not saying that I personally want to figure out how it's done, but I just don't want that, like that knowledge that that's, that's been done. And it feels like someone needs to be, do it again and make it a, make it viable for posterity, not just for Morton use. I think we're going to devolve into an existential debate if we get down this much further. So do you know where the name Quidditch came from? I do not know where the name Quidditch came from. Quidditch was first played in Queer Ditch Marsh. It was invented by, no one's quite sure who they are, but we know about the beginnings of Quidditch because the neighbor, who was not the most intelligent or tolerant of people, (laughs) um, (laughs) kept a diary. Uh, She complained about them and they were making noise and their ball was falling into her garden and... She, she was a simple woman and, again, not a tolerant woman. So, mm. uh, But that's how we know the beginnings of Quidditch Interesting. from Queerditch Marsh was because of her preserved diary, which is now in the uh, International Quidditch Museum. Huh. Very that eventually was shortened to Quidditch. Did you read the 2014 Quidditch World Cup live coverage? No. <gasps> it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who follow the more current and ongoing releases of harry potter information you might have seen in 2014 the live coverage of the quidditch world cup it was covered by rita skeeter and jenny weasley and it was kind of written almost a live tweet style i remember this being a thing i don't i didn't sit down and like read all of it but i remember when they made this yes i'm not going to read it for you because that was long it's very long and i'm not going to spoil anything for you but with this podcast episode, I'll mm-hmm. put a link to yeah. If you go uh, to our website, just if you like it, if you like Quidditch and you'd like a chuckle and you'd like a little bit of an insight into before Cursed Child, <laughs> what plan was Rita Skeeter? Obviously, who's a gossip columnist first and foremost. Mm-hmm. She Ginny covers the game. She pretty much covers the celebrities that are there. So you see, you know, there's like a little DA reunion. And yeah. So you so check it out if you if you like Quidditch or you want to learn more about Quidditch. It's a nice, easily digestible. Not introduction to the sport, but we gave you that. So continuation. Continuation of the sport. Yeah. Like it. I feel like we just need to touch on real life Quidditch. Uh, Not a topic on which I'm an expert. I've never played myself. No. And I don't think that the game as a whole has a great reputation. Nope. (laughs) Um, But people take it very seriously. They do. They do. There is a World Cup. The first thing when you Google Quidditch, just 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 anybody just Google Quidditch. The first thing that comes up is a video on how to play Quidditch in real life. And it does involve actual broomsticks. And there is a person who is the snidget slash snitch. And people are bludgers as well. Is that true? I think so. Yeah. And I do not judge people who play this because it. I'm sure it's a hilarious ball and people <laughs> take it very seriously and if they're very good they go to the world cup and they're you know there it's a, a thing cup, yes there are leagues and and more power to you but i don't see the appeal of running around with a broomstick between your legs i mean no i mean but i mean i never really saw the appeal much of soccer or sports where i had to run yeah you don't like sports i mean i do i do like sports i like swimming i like water sports i was a competitive swimmer i i've been on teams I just never really saw the appeal of like basketball and yeah all that kind of stuff. But hey, you know, I applaud the creativity of people who figured out how to make this work for real life non-magical reality. people to yeah. play this. Muggles, um, muggle, muggle Quidditch. Muggle. And I'm sure it is fun. I'm not opposed to playing it once. I don't think I... Yeah, I think I, I try it once. Yeah. I would not make a 
a hobby of it. I don't no. think. I will say that I do understand the appeal of acting out certain parts of the Harry Potter books. Oh yeah, I'm a total nerd because of it. I accept that, and I'm aware of it. We have a it. Harry Potter podcast daily. We can. We sink. do. Yeah, <laughs> the idea of like acting out parts of the book or like dramatic readings that appeals to me. Same. So I I understand where Quidditch players come from, why they do it. I mean, I don't think they they're serious about it unless they like actually enjoy it. But yeah, I yeah, get yeah. I get why it started. I do too. Yeah. So I sympathize with you all. It's not it's not my outlet for Harry Potter fandom. No, but, but hey, you guys keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, please do. And let me let us know why it appeals to you because we don't quite get it, but we want to get it. Yeah. And that's all for today. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to visit dwellingondreamspodcast.com to subscribe to the show. We'd also love to hear from you on social media. And if you like what we're doing, you can show your support with a review or on our Patreon page. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to stay tuned for our next episode out in two weeks to hear more from a Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff dwelling on dreams.